The text for this morning was declared by Dwight L. Moody to be the sweetest verse to be found in the Bible. The text for this morning was described by him as the greatest single statement the Bible has ever made about God. It is but three words. They were read by Pastor Shower. They were written by the Apostle John. 1 John 4, 16. These three words. God is love. God is love. doesn't say that God is power. The Bible says God is power. Romans 1, 20. Since the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God have been clearly seen by the things that are made, His divine nature and eternal power. But in 1 John 4.16, it does not say God is power. In Colossians 2, it talks about the wisdom of God, keeping everything that He created functioning and in order and in season and systematically. But in 1 John 4.16, it does not say God is wisdom. What it says in the Bible, the simplest statement, the most powerful statement about God in the entire Bible, God is love. At a wedding yesterday, mentioned 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. If you speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, you're nothing. If you gave everything you possess to the poor, but do not have a loving spirit, you are nothing. If you had wisdom and understood everything that needed to be understood in the Bible and outside of the Bible, but you didn't have a loving spirit, you are nothing. Same with God. 1 Corinthians 13, if God had the power to create an entire universe, but did not have a loving spirit, He would mean nothing to us. If God had the ultimate wisdom, which He does, but He didn't have a loving spirit, He would be nothing to us. That is why John writes what he does. I want you to remember children, whether you're young or old, whether you're male or female, no matter what tribe or tongue that you speak or belong to, I want you to remember one thing. God is love. Do you really realize how many doors those three words unlock? We all have it in our mind and heart that when we get to heaven, we're going to ask God a question. Why did my daughter get cancer when she is three years of age? Why did my wife get harmed so severely in that car accident when we had just had our first baby? Why did this addiction rule my life or my son or daughter's life, we all say, i got a question for God when I get up there. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says, Now we see, but through a glass darkly. Then we'll see face to face. Now we know, but part of the things that we're supposed to know. But then we shall know fully. When you get to heaven, you'll understand one thing. You'll understand... That God is love. And when you understand that here on this earth, it unlocks 
so many doors, the question that you want to ask him becomes lessened by the thought that the one overseeing everything in your life is a God of love. Hence the statement we've talked about before, that which Harlow mentioned over at Parkview a year ago. When uh, storms come into your life, there are people who run as quickly away from God as they possibly can because they don't believe in Him anymore. And for others of us, myself strongly included, for others of us, when storms come into our life, what direction do we head? What direction do we head? We head straight to Him. Why do we head straight to Him? Because of His power? No. Because of His wisdom? No. Why do we head straight to Him? Because of His love. And His love enables Him to take that which is in our life, and with His power, He's able to deal with it. And with His wisdom, He takes that which is in our life, prompting the Apostle Paul to write, All things work together for good to those who love God. Why does everything work together for good to those who love God? Because He loves us. I always love it here at early service because we got the children in here. Okay? We've got the Montgomery children and we've got Kurt and Kim Zellick's children. And you guys, you know, half the time you're looking at me and half the time you're looking at the children. And when you're looking at me, you're not smiling. And when you're looking at the children, you're smiling. That's what we understand about God. He always has a smile on His face towards us. And when the great storms are coming, you can't hold Him back. You can't hold the heavenly angels back. Because here they come. Love is not just a word. Love is deed that is accomplished. And whenever the Bible talks about the love of God, point you straight to the cross. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Those three words not only unlock doors, but those three words help with fear, They help with worry, they help with shame, they help with guilt. Whether it's the morning and you wake up and your first thought is, cancer, i got to see the oncologist this week, i got to see if the chemo and radiation has helped. You wake up in the morning and you sit and say, two weeks from now am I going to have the job? The company's been bought out, there's all these rumors... First thing you wake up in the morning, you think about getting together with your grandchildren yesterday, and you notice some things that you think might be a permanent part of their personality, and you're already beginning to worry about that. You wake up this morning. How many woke up this morning and say, this is a day that God has made? Yeah, okay, we got some good ones here. And how many woke up this morning with some thought about something that was going on other than this is the day God has made. Get the hands up. Stand up, okay? No, you're good. (laughs) 
When it's branded in your heart that God is love, all bases covered. Time and time and time and time again, especially with grandchildren now, time and time and time again, I think of Jesus' comment, lest you have faith like a little child. Does a three or four year old worry about anything? Nah, because we're sitting in mama's lap. Or we're sitting right next to dad. Does a three or four year old worry about anything? They wake up in the morning, they go running into mom or dad's bedroom, they give their hugs, day is complete. What does God want us to do? Same thing. Go and sit in his lap, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Go and sit in his lap. Bring to me whatever stuff you woke up with this morning. Bring it to me in prayer or meditation. Bring it to me. Leave it in my lap. Sit in my lap for a little bit. But when you leave, you leave your stuff with me. Walk away and I will be your peace. From the moment Satan was cast down from heaven, he's been going up and down the avenues of time, and he's whispered in everyone's ear, no matter what their age, no matter what their sex, no matter what their color, he has whispered in every ear, God is not love. Because if he can get you to believe that, Benjamin Franklin, eight-year-old son, dies and he says, I'll never believe in God again. If Satan can get you to believe that God is not love, then you shall walk away from him. But if the Holy Spirit works stronger than Satan, and the Holy Spirit brings into your hearts that no matter what you're going through, even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God is love. And when that is established in you, when that faith, that weapon that God gives you, when it's established in you, Satan has no power. James 4, 7, resist Satan, flee from him, come near to God's love. Resist Satan, flee from him, come near to God's love, and his love will come near to you. Here's Adam and Eve. Mentioned them a couple of weeks ago. Satan comes and he whispers to them, You know, I know you think really highly of God. You know, that's all right, man. He created everything. But I'm going to tell you something. And all of a sudden, Adam and Eve's Eve's pick up, right? They're going to hear some scoop about God. And Satan says to them, I'll tell you what, as nice as God is, God is not love. Because I was up there in heaven with God before he kicked me out. I was up there in heaven with God. And God knows if he eat this fruit of this tree, you'll be as wise as God. God is not love. And then the downfall began. Isaiah 41. In the storm, God is love. In the fire, God is love. 
In the flood, God is love. The storm won't consume you. The flame won't burn you up. And the flood won't drown you. Why? Because God is love. A couple of weeks ago, late at night, there's a car sitting out in the parking lot. And I sit and uh, don't know whether I should call the police or really what I should do. There's a bit of commotion around the car. And then I see three children get out of the car. And I figure if there's children in that car, then, then things must be all right. So at uh, 10.30 at night, I walk out there to the car. And I say to the man and wife, can I help you? Is something going on? And he said, I saw the light on your office and, and I wanted to knock on your window, but I didn't want to scare you to death. Would it be all right if we stayed the night here in your parking lot? And I asked him, you know, what brings you up here? Notice the license plate from Mississippi. He said, the flood wiped out everything in our house. And I'm coming up here because I've got a brother up here. And my brother loves me very much. And he told me if, I, if he could ever do anything for me, that he would do that. And I said, does he know that you're coming? And he said, he called me and told me to come. He said he's two hours away and I've driven 20 hours already and I don't have any strength left. Can we stay the night in your parking lot? I gave him money, enough money. I told him about the motels there on Interstate 80. <laughs> and I said, here's some more money to pay for breakfast tomorrow until you get on up there. He didn't call his brother and say, can I come? His brother called him and said, I want you to come up because I see what's happened in your town. In the storm, he's love. In the fire, he's love. In the flood, he is love. The trouble with us is we judge other human beings by our own personalities. If we're critical by nature, we assume everyone else is critical by nature. If we're judgmental by nature, we assume everything, everyone else is judgmental by nature. If we're cheating on our taxes, it's all right because everyone else is cheating on their taxes. This is what we do. We apply the same thing to God. We assume that God is the way we are. And if there is so much difference between the love of God and us, it cannot be put into human words. 1 Corinthians 2.10 No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered the heart of any man what God has prepared for those that love Him. If you ask the prodigal son, do you think God is love? At one time in his life he would say, no way. But if you ask him now, is God love? He would tell you about his life. 
how he messed up everything, and how God whispered to him, come back to me, go back to your father. And the father came racing toward the boy and embraced him. If you ask Samson whether God was a God of love, he would point you to the last day of his life when he stands between those two pillars. He had done everything to disgrace God himself and his family. But he's standing between those two pillars and he says, God, remember me one more time. If you ask the thief on the cross, was, is God a God of love? Before you finish the question, he'd give you the answer. I'm hanging next to him. i got 45 minutes left to live. I've already cursed him when we were originally there. Me and my buddy were cursing him. And all of a sudden when I say, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he gives me the keys of the kingdom. If you asked Simon Peter whether God was a God of love, I betrayed him. I cursed and swore and said I didn't know him within 40 days. He is saying, Simon Peter, do you love me? And not only does he forgive, but he puts me back in ministry. One after another, after another, after another in the Bible. One after another, after another, after another, you and I. God is love. I think the most precious moment for a parent is when a son or daughter has gone the wrong direction. And then, whether it's a matter of a year or ten years or twenty years or twenty-five years, and I've seen many of them in forty-two years in the ministry, Many a time when a son or a daughter who hasn't seen their parents in 20 or 30 years, they come walking into Payless Hospital or Christ Hospital or into the home where the individual is under hospice care, and they kneel down next to mom or dad, and they shed their tears, and they say, I am so sorry that I've been gone for so long. And how many times have I seen that parent shed equal amount of tears and embrace that son or daughter and the love that was always there come shining forth. Closing word, Isaiah. Isaiah, like the Apostle Paul, tradition says, was alienated from his mom and dad because he had come to this faith in Jehovah. In the book of Isaiah, he says, Can a mother ever forget her child? And then he says, It is possible, maybe thinking of his own situation. He says, It is possible, but it's never possible for God to forget his children. Not King David, not Moses, not Abraham, not Samson, not the prodigal son, not any of us. It's not possible.
It was my first month in the ministry. Pastor Crane down at Holy Cross, Wichita. One of our members was in prison. He said, Paul, I think you should start going to the prison, see him, and see others that were there. I did that for about a year's time. There was a chaplain, and he said, before you go in, you need to talk with me. I need to give you some instruction. And for about three hours, I sat and talked with Chaplain Whittaker. He told me a story. Back then, the death penalty was still in effect. And there was a man in the prison there in Wichita, and the death sentence had been evoked upon him. It was the week before he was to be executed, and his mom went in there and asked him the question one more time. She said, look me in the eye and tell me, are they executing an innocent man? Tell me, did you commit this crime? And he looked her in the eye and said, Mom, I did not do this thing. I did not commit this crime. I did not commit this murder. And she left and she went and told everyone, her neighbors, called all her family members. He told me he did not commit this crime. He is innocent. It is now the day of his execution. The chaplain is walking with him to the electric chair. And he asked the young man, before God brings you home, the man having talked with the chaplain, coming to the faith, believing he was going to be in heaven, the chaplain said, you getting ready to go home, tell me, did you commit the crime? And he said to the chaplain, you tell my mother, that they are not executing an innocent man. I committed the crime. And the chaplain ran to the mom who was sitting in another room and said to her, your son just confessed. He is guilty. And the mom told the chaplain, you run to him as quickly as you can and you tell him, his mother still loves him. I want those to be the last words that he hears. His mother still loves him. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, whatever crime, whatever sin, Whosoever, whatever addiction, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. I believe Dwight L. Moody was correct. The sweetest verse in the Bible, the single greatest statement ever made about God, those three words, God is love. And when you wake up in the morning, if you're not one of those who raised your hands, this is the day that God has made. With those three words etched in you, wake up like a three- or four-year-old child, sit in God's lap,
This is a day that the one who loves me has made. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Heavenly Father, opening day for our parochial school tomorrow, and 230 students will hear every day that God is loved. Bill Burke's Tuesday morning Bible class will start again. The small groups will begin again, the study of Philippians. The men's group, the youth group, Sunday school, the LWML, who not only talks about the love of God, but by all of the service activities they do, they show the love of God. We hear in this building, church, and school that God is love, and we reinforce it day after day after day after day. Bless the ministries here, Lord that we are filled with that ideal that God is love. And as Pastor Shower read, may we then take that love and extend it to others, being their peace, their strength, and their song. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.